Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number seven of On the Flank. My name is John George, alongside uh, Joe Kirkpatrick here. Say hello, Joe. Hello, everybody. And uh, when it comes to analysis, we are On the Flank. Uh, this week's special. Not only it's it's the first day of October here, we're, we're, we're deep into fall now. Um, but but we've gained some more listeners. Luckily for us, um, shout out to uh, OW Recall, the the Twitter account that is a, a nice little podcast directory ran by uh, uh, Overwatch League Network people. Uh, they they tweeted out our our Twitter and our um our, the link to our podcast um, alongside some some other pretty pretty big uh a podcast. The Game Houses podcast, Watch House, and Tactical Crouch, the new Owl Daily Show podcast. So we're up there with the big names, Joe. How you feeling? It's it's we're on our way. It's going good. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of pressure this week, Joe. Lots of pressure. Yeah, right? I suppose. Yeah. Um. And and this week, uh, with with the most listeners ever, we have not as much to talk about. Apparently, no events whatsoever. Yeah. Which means we get to go right into the news this week. And we won't have events for like a, a month. So right into the news right away. Um, probably, I think this happened almost immediately after we we uh, recorded our podcast last Monday. Uh, Nate Nancer, he, he had a nice little uh, interview at Esports Bar in Miami talking about the Overwatch League. Of course, if you don't know, Nate Nancer is the commissioner of the Overwatch League. Um, and he had he had a lot of talking points. It was a it was a pretty long interview. Um, he talked about a lot lots of things, lots of non informational, some some good <laughs> new information as well. Um, he confirmed that they're going with two divisions of ten teams each next season. Of course, the twenty teams. Um, some people were thinking maybe they maybe they'll go. Um, four divisions of five but it seems like they're going to go two divisions of 10 so just add four teams to the pacific and atlantic each um season two confirmed our suspicions that it will start in quarter one of 2019 just like season one started in quarter one of 2018 um we don't know the exact date that could be january february even maybe march uh but it is confirmed to start right at the beginning of 2019 it seems and um he confirmed that China will definitely get a win next season. <laughs> um, That's a, you know, we're going to hold him to that now. Yeah. If they don't, <laughs> that'd be hilarious if they somehow tied, uh, if they added ties or something like that. And they all just tied against each other all the time. Yeah. Although I guess, you know, now that there is more than one team, eventually they'll have to play each other. So yeah, exactly. Um, that would be the only <laughs> way. It's if, if, as if it was ties. He talked about, um stage finals and and playoffs uh things like that a little bit he didn't touch on like changes too much but he he did want to make stage playoffs even bigger next year is what he did mention at the end more teams more money is what he said um so right now stage playoffs are at are at uh four teams i'm guessing since we have 20 teams now maybe he bumps that up to eight puts more money on it something like that um I think this is the we we talked about league formats a couple weeks ago. I think this is the main um, point that I, I want to sort of talk to you about for for a second here. What do you what do you think more teams, more money means for stage playoffs and where he he wants to take them? I mean, overall, what it means for stage playoffs is that there'll be 
more significant to the teams playing in them. Um, you know, that, that they'll have uh, more more chances, um, you know, to prove themselves off of the stage results uh, against some of their opponents, but also obviously more money on the table means, you know, more resources uh, for those good teams. You know, we had uh, lots of sort of uh, spread out stuff uh, last year, which was good, you know, uh, that there wasn't really a team that like super dominated uh, in the playoffs other than, uh, you know, obviously New York was there several times, but, uh, but, but yeah, more opportunities for lots of these teams, which again is good because of uh, the larger size. Um, we, we, we did talk a little bit last week, again, with this league format stuff, um, talking about like Dallas in stage four um, of last season that um, you, you, that they made stage four playoffs, uh, but by that time it seemed, you know, almost uh, unnecessary or meaningless, you know, um, to, to an extent because of how far they were behind in the uh, the overall standings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nancer did specifically use that example of Dallas uh, here in this interview, saying uh, that, that that was one of the things they liked about the stage uh, the stage playoffs, which you know is is true. That's that's reasonable. Uh, to think about so that's it, it seems like that's uh, that's a feeling that's an an action they want to go for yeah. um again here in season two which yeah that's that's uh definitely reasonable you know that's that's definitely something that makes sense yeah. um just just to make sure that you know matches still have some sort of meaning oh yeah i mean and meaning not only to the fans but to the teams themselves i think they're most happy with the idea and the idea they wanted to go with with stages, with stage playoffs and whatnot, and putting money on it, was that Dallas was not going to give up in stage four. I think they're most happy with the idea that despite Dallas having, oh, I believe, no possible chance of making the playoffs, basically, they still went out there and tried their hardest. I think that's what they like the most about Dallas making the stage for a playoffs. Um, and I think they really want to continue that because they don't want to make it. I don't know. Like a league that has a lot of games means that games are going to mean less um, because you can lose a game and you can still make playoffs and stuff like that. Um, so, so they want to make it so there is so that teams play their heart out every game um, and, and the stages allow that to happen. It makes it so every game does matter because, oh, well, while Dallas can't make the playoffs um, overall, if they win this game, they do make stage four playoffs, so it means something to them. Um, so I think that's why Nate really likes stage playoffs. My only worry with making stage playoffs and stage finals mean more is, and I think this happened last year kind of, is making the grand finals mean less. The more the more like championship type opportunities you have, the less your big championship is going to mean. Um, and we saw that with, uh, I saw that with League of Legends and LCS having the spring split and summer split every year and having a championship for each, everybody was confused. They were like, okay, which one matters more? The spring split even matter. Like it just, it just, the more championship opportunities you have, the more confused your fans are going to be on how much they actually mean. That's my only worry with it, though. Besides that, I enjoy stage playoffs because, like Nate's saying, it makes Dallas and it makes these teams actually try in the end. Yeah, which is which is what they want. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think one of the 
other problems with the grand finals and the playoffs in general this year was there was a lack of advertising and knowledge of it even going on. So that possibly could have been the reason why grand finals were maybe not as hype for most people this year. Um, so maybe they'll, they'll pro- they're probably looking to change that up. Um, anything else to talk about on, on any other points you, you saw that were worth talking about with Nate here? I don't think so. No. Um, other than I guess somebody quoted him once. He said, uh, uh, if this conference, referring to the one he was speaking at uh, here now about a week ago, was in a month, I would release the 2019 schedule, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So we, we might we might get get that here in three or four weeks. Um, you know, they, probably at BlizzCon. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, BlizzCon. Last, I'm, but, I'm hoping at BlizzCon they have another OWL panel. They had an Overwatch League panel last year at BlizzCon, and that's where they released the schedule and the preseason schedule too. There um, you go. Yeah, so I'm guessing they'll probably. I'm guessing that's a pretty big hint that Nate's going to be doing that at BlizzCon once again. So that's exciting. Um, that in a month, we're, God, we're going to have so much to talk about on that podcast. Imagine the World Cup and <laughs> the, the BlizzCon podcast. <laughs> the BlizzCon podcast. It's going to be like five hours long. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to some uh, player signings. Uh, we got a lot of contenders, uh, contenders player signings this week. Um, we'll start with uh, Florida Mayhem, uh, their Mayhem Academy team. Uh, they have signed apply to a two-way contract. Um, as far as my opinion goes on this signing, uh, Florida Mayhem need players, so this is a player. They did it. <laughs> um, any opinions on on apply in this signing? Uh, yeah, there's. Uh, he, he's coming from uh, Mayhem Academy, right? So, mm-hmm. um, just just finished the season on that. So this is the, uh, well, he's the first official two way player we're talking about. We've actually got, um, I think more. at least, at least one more this week. I don't know if for Escal is or not, but, um, uh, but yeah. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how um, that mechanic sort of plays out this season. Um, uh, I think uh, from what Elk has talked about, spoiler alert, Elk is also on a two-way contract. Um, but from what Elk has talked about, it's something like uh, he, he can play as much in the uh, in the actual Overwatch League as he wants unless he plays up to like two contenders games and then he can only play... Or, or, or and then he's then he's then then, there, then there's a restriction on how many you can play in the in the major league or something. There's a whole bunch of uh, requirements that way, but just to see how teams are feeling that out, um, you know, and what actually comes of that, I think is going to be really interesting going into this next season. Yeah, um, two-way contracts are are very interesting as a, as a fan of traditional sports. It reminds me a lot of MLB and minor leagues. There are contracts very similar to that and rules very similar to that. If you play a certain amount of minor league games or major league games, there's restrictions on on how many of the other you can play. Um, Basically, because two-way contracts would just be the way to go if they if Elk could play unlimited contenders and Overwatch League games, everybody would just sign two-way contracts to like to everybody. Um, <laughs> it's because they would just, I mean, even like you could do it to like um, profit on the London Spitfire or something like that. Just sign them to a two-way contract, and then when London doesn't have a game, just send them down to contenders, <laughs> and then the uh, British Hurricane <laughs> dominates. Um, so yeah, you gotta have rules for the two-way contract because that's a big advantage being able to, um, 
to use them in in both both leagues there. Um, yeah, so if we want to go more into the elk signing, I know you're super excited about this, you, you fusion fan. Um, you want to talk about about the uh, elk signed to fusion to two way contract? Yeah, I mean we uh, we mentioned it last week as a rumor. Uh, talked about it a little bit, so it has been confirmed now. Here in the last week, I think it was like Thursday or something. Um, elk announced it on his stream. Uh, initially, actually, they uh, Philadelphia Fusion came out that they had, yeah this they had signed Elk um, to their proper Overwatch League roster um, in order to trade him to the Flyers for Gritty. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if you saw that. So yeah, for, for a while, for a while, Gritty was going to be on the Fusion, but uh, trade didn't uh, go but, through. Yeah, <laughs> they, they wanted too much money. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. So, uh, so so yeah, same thing we talked about last week. Yeah, Elk is going to be good. We need a support rotation, um, you know, because we don't want to kill our supports because our supports are really good, including Elk now. Um, so yeah, that's that's just good. Yeah, and he'll and he'll definitely. I, I said this last week too. He'll definitely see more time than uh, more playing time than Joe Meister or Dayfly did. I agree, uh, especially with like we were talking about. Neptuno is a tired boy. He he wants some rest. Um, and luckily they brought Elk and I think, and I really like the fusion embracing the meme of trading him because I think alongside <laughs> the rumor that Michael brought out, he was all, he also said most likely to trade him. And then he had a bunch of replies talking about why would they trade him and all this stuff. And they, they embraced it saying that they were going to trade him for gritty. It was, it was of course a big meme at this point. Cause he's very scary mascot. Um, let's move on to to uh, another not as shocking uh pickup here the san francisco shock pickup of rascal from there from nrg their academy team uh, rascal of course he was he was in overwatch league season one a pretty big talent i don't think anyone was shocked that they were gonna bring him up to the big leagues here <laughs> yeah i just keep saying shocked i it's not on purpose guys i swear um uh, rascal is yeah, I mean they've got a lot of DPS players now, but Rascal's pretty good. Um, what what do you think about this pickup? I was trying to scroll through here, try to figure out um, if he's going two ways or not. I'm trying to find the announcement here. Uh, but yeah, yeah, in general, um, you know we've talked about the Shocks DPS, um, which is an interesting conversation. Uh, we may see more changes to that coming in because um, again they're back to four now. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you, you can't say much, uh, you, you can't say that they've sacrificed much <laughs> bringing yeah. him on the team. You know, that's, that's only going to be good for them, I think. So, oh yeah. Whether they trade him or just keep him on the team or trade someone else. I mean, it's, it's fine. <laughs> they, they've got Rascal now. He's big talent, um, and big Korean talent too. And everyone's, everyone's looking for that Korean talent at this point. Um, I think that's it for pickups this week. Yeah, that's all we got on here. Uh, besides tons of, of course, Michael rumors that we 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 don't re- really address Michael rumors too often unless they're pretty big. Uh, we wait until the official announcement happens, basically. Um, next, we got some more event things, event thing thingers going on here. Valiant, the California Cup. Uh, we talked about it last week. There, I, I think there was mentioned a collegiate club. Did they mention college teams in the official announcement at first? I can't remember. Um, in the the California Cup, no, or at oh. least not that I not that I noticed. 
I don't know why I'd say, maybe it's just that I heard this news and then I put them together or something. But yeah, they announced that uh, there's they're going to be collegiate teams. Uh, UCLA, UCI, California, and Triton Esports are uh, all going to be there at the collegiate clash. Collegiate clash. So we get some college rivalries alongside Overwatch League rivalries. And me and Joe know tons about college rivalries, as uh, we we were both a part of. Uh, the old Butler Esports. So um, what, what do you think about them adding some college competition to the California Cup? Yeah, this is great. I mean, you know, we talked about um, these teams, you know, trying to make the most of their offseason, trying to add, um, you know, events for for their fan engagement, um, keep the team on their toes sort of a little bit. Um, and so, you know, Valley Shock playing this home and home series, but also now being able to pull in, um, you know, to be pretty good talent. I mean, some of these California teams um, are really good. I forget who... Uh, like his one test but the last couple of years, but I know, uh, like, uh, some plays in Canada, like Toronto or something, is really good. But also, usually there's a California team or two or three in the in the last oh, yeah. few teams. Um, but but yeah, so given even that kind of exposure, um, you, you know, granted, who knows if uh, any of those students are headed towards Overwatch League careers? But um, but you know, being able to engage with the fans, being able to show. Um, this this kind of content that um, otherwise probably wouldn't get seen by you know Valiant fans or by Shock fans necessarily um, is, is is really cool for them um, and really cool for the teams I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would I would love for uh, Butler to be in something like this, the Indiana Cup or something yeah, um, at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you see, I mean, these are the California teams are like known to be some of the best esports teams just because they're like the first adopters of esports almost just because California is filled with esports right now. So these teams are all really good, even though we, uh, our League of Legends team did upset UCLA in uh, CSL last year. That was a big upset. That was pretty cool. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to some college competition. I, I'm a huge fan of uh, college esports in general. Um, so I think that's a win-win for everybody there. Um, but uh, another pairing here, the the uh, Valiant and Shock, of course, pairing together for the California Cup, and now the London Spitfire and Houston Outlaws are teaming up. Um, this isn't a cup, but a gala. <laughs> this is a gala, rather. <laughs> this is a more fancy. Everyone's going to be in their best. They're, they're tuxedos, apparently, you know? Um, if you believe the, <laughs> the, the naming. Yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, London, Houston, it's just like California Cup. They're going to have um, an event in Houston and an event in London. Um, and what, I, I want to talk about this pairing first off. Um, what do you think about this pairing? Did you expect London and Houston to, to pair up together to do one of these? We, yeah, no, we talked about, um, you know, doing sh- Shock and Valiant, you know, why weren't the Gladiators included and whatever. And um it, it at least made a little bit of sense, um, you know, because they're still rebuilding a roster and that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, London and Houston, I, I, I wouldn't have picked um, that that pair. You know, I don't know. Uh, maybe it has more to do with uh, C9 and Optic than it does London and Houston. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I have similar thoughts, though, about it, just in terms of, you know, it's good to have this kind of off-season stuff to watch it's good to have this kind of engagement um you know so no no matter the results of the actual match i think it's you know it's going to be good for both teams oh yeah i mean 
I'm all for all these events. I, it is a bit of a weird pairing, but it's cool. It's it's cool that uh, the Houston fans get to experience uh, the the championship London Spitfire team, and even uh, the London London team gets gets some Houston action as well. Um, and if you guys want to know more about the event, they were pretty vague, but there's going to be like two show match two show matches, a couple like one v ones, Mister Heroes, some fans playing against the pros. Uh, they weren't specific about game mode stuff like that, but they 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 got some some events happening, um, and that's happening October twentieth in London, and in January for Houston. And I think that might be one of the biggest parts of of this announcement is is that it it would happen in January, which which perhaps could mean Overwatch League is late January, February when the season starts if they're still having this event in January. It's true, yeah. Um, I guess the other thing I mentioned, uh, you reminded me about the the game modes and Mr. Heroes and stuff, is that I don't think in this announcement it ever actually says that the London Spitfire will be playing the the Houston Outlaws like in a proper match. Um, so it might be, you know, considering all the transatlantic travel and stuff, you know, because it, it, it does say, you know, three to four star players of both teams uh, might be doing some of these, um, you know, on unofficial game modes um, you know so that might be all it is uh, rather than an actual you know home and home type of uh, you know actual match series but still yeah uh, this it's gonna, it's gonna be good this event definitely seems more fan focused than the California Cup which the California Cup seems like a a fun thing still but filled with all the players but I mean traveling to London's a lot obviously I believe that this is this event is happening when the london spitfire team is actually going to london for the first time so i believe all of london will be there i don't know if all of houston will be there but i think they're just sort of tempering expectations by saying three to four star players because i think they could get i think they can get at least three people to come um if they if they can't you know yeah I mean, it's like visiting London would be awesome if you're a Houston player and Houston's mostly made up of people who probably haven't been to London before. So that's true. (laughs) Um, So that's it for event team event news. We have another event, an in-game event that was just teased today. I woke up to the to the nice little teaser on my Twitter feed. Um, Halloween Terror is coming back, of course, in that in that nice little developer update. Jeff mentioned that. That events are are pretty much going to be the same because they're focusing on on rebuilding the game rather than um, rather than the events, uh, which both me and Joe are fine with. But um, yeah, Halloween Terror is coming back October 9th, good old eight days next week, um, and the the teaser included a reskinned chateau, the the famous deathmatch, um, the deathmatch map, of course. Um, so it's looking like this this uh, usually with usually with Halloween Terror we get like a PVE event um, with with Junkenstein involved. So it's possibly a PVE on Chateau on Chateau this year. Maybe a completely different thing. Who knows? Yeah, it, it's certainly possible. I'm I, I would tend to think that they're just gonna uh, reskin the map like the like they've done for Hollywood in the past and stuff, rather yeah. than um, moving. Junkenstein over to the Chateau, but it's possible, you know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, um, especially with I. I think your thing makes more sense, especially with Jeff just announcing we're not focusing on these too much. Um, so 
yeah, reskinning. But even even if we don't get something really cool, which I think a bunch of casual Overwatch fans really want, uh, based off the summer games just being the same and everyone out outraged about it, um, I, I still think like the reskins are cool and um, you know making making the maps more more Halloween themed. I every Christmas I log on Overwatch and just love seeing like Kings Road, all these places just being like Christmassy and gets me in the holiday spirit. I love it. Yeah. Unless you have a a game changing thing where you can't hide from diva bumps behind the payload anymore. Oh yeah. That's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) I do. That does anger me. And all of a sudden I'm not in the holiday spirit anymore. Um, you know what else? You know what else uh, angered a lot of people? A nice little transition here to uh, Kefri. Um, if you guys don't know who Kefri is, he's he's probably been involved in Overwatch, I believe, since it began, pretty much. But um, he he's been known as the Widow guy. He's he's he plays Widow a lot, um, and. At some points, I think at the beginnings when we didn't have like as big of a competitive scene, people just considered him the best Widowmaker because he was the most popular Widowmaker streamer. Um, and throughout history, he's continuously um, sort of done things to anger people. He's made himself out to be not a nice guy that people don't like too much. Um, and be- mainly because he believes... I don't know. My personal take on it is he he believes he is a, a widow worthy of Overwatch League, a wid- one of the best widows in the world. When in reality, he is not that good. Um, and even if he is amazing at Widowmaker, he is not good at other characters, which you need to be in Overwatch League. Uh, but everyone is pretty angered because recently, about three days ago, four days ago, Kefri just nonchalantly tweeted. At, at Overwatch um, DC, of course, the new Overwatch DC team, that he's he's looking for a scrim or a, or a tryout because he's from um, the DC, Northern Virginia area. Uh, he's looking for a scrim or a tryout. Someone replied to it saying maybe starts maybe start scrimming and actually try to be in a contenders team and start grinding like all these other people are, and people will take you seriously for Overwatch League. Kefri replied that contenders would be a huge financial step back from my successful streaming career. I have a wife, home, and bills to pay. Also, I can't simply go back in time and join. I play more Widow and will gladly improve that that in a tryout if given the opportunity. Um, so, so I mean, Kefri, everyone's making. I, in my opinion, to start this off, I think everyone's making a bigger deal out of it. He's just, he's just asking for a scrim or a tryout. Um, but everyone is getting very upset. I don't think he sh- deserves to be in Overwatch League, uh, but a scrim or, or a tryout is no big deal, honestly. Um, but everyone's freaking out mainly because they they see all these people trying their hardest and sacrificing everything, and Kefri basically just came out and said, I'm not willing to sacrifice my wife, home, bills, or anything like that to move to contenders, and I want to be given what I want anyways. Um, what do you think about Kefri's, uh, Kefri's want to be in Overwatch League despite not trying too hard? Uh, I think it's worth mentioning his original tweet has uh, sparked a copy pasta now, which is kind of funny. I saw <laughs> um, like a, a British British like broadcast.ggcaster or something was saying, "Hey, 
hey london spitfire can i can i get a <laughs> casting job um but no it's uh it, it, it did strike me as odd uh definitely to, to see that um just because you don't you, you, you for all we know this these are things that happen you know more um more, more often than we would think um you know maybe on this, in this first season um but to to publicly sort of just just tweet at them rather than you know getting a sending a professional email or um you know trying to to just trying to make uh more concrete connections it, it's a, it's an odd approach certainly um uh and then yes so then leading into our our discussion here talking about that to to make the assumption that um uh, just because he says you know i'm a dc slash northern virginia local and we love the opportunity to try out um and so the implication sort of is that um you, you know his geographic area um and you know at least uh, i don't even want to say at least pretty good skill because he he's a, he's a much better winner than i will ever be in my life really? but um a bit, you know being able to play uh, his game here as well and being from dc um the, the implication is that you know that that's that's enough to be um seriously considered by the dc team uh, which then obviously that that's that's our discussion we want to talk about you know is that enough um what do we think about um team identity and uh player nationality and that sort of thing that's what we're gonna spend some time on here oh yeah we're we're gonna dive <laughs> deep into that right now i de- i definitely um i i do think it's i mean if Kefri was worthy of it despite not trying and had enough skill to be in the Overwatch League and was very good in a tryout, then he did he deserved a spot. No doubt about it. Um the fact that he is using I'm a DC DC local um to, to attract them is is kind of weird. Like that doesn't automatically get you on a team in the Overwatch League as unless you're the Shanghai Dragons so far. Um I mean it, it, we're, this is a really big dis- discussion going on in the offseason, especially with these new teams. Um, I mean, t- to start it off, I'm super fired up. I told you before this podcast, I'm super fired up about this. Um, so so there's, there's some rumors about the Paris expansion team looking to go down the EU player route. And everyone is everyone's super excited about that. Everybody wants... It seems like everyone really would like um, some nationality included in their home hometown teams. Uh, to the point, it's come to the point, and I've seen it the most out of London Spitfire fans at this point. And it has come to the point where some London some people are arguing that London Spitfire may regret picking up their entire Korean roster at this point. <laughs> And when I looked, when I when I've seen comments like this, that they they Spitfire Spitfire may it might have been a questionable decision to do this. I think <laughs> saying that it is a questionable decision is immediately your question is immediately answered when you look at the um, at the results of Overwatch League season one, and you see that they won the whole thing. Um, it's like people have completely forgotten that the London Spitfire was the best team last year. And I really, really don't think they regret picking up their Korean roster. Um, and it's crazy to me that London Spitfire is the only, like 
it's the only team I see that argument for. I don't see it. None of the American teams, nobody, there aren't any Houston fans. There aren't any Philly fans. There aren't any fans there that are like, I'm upset that I don't have a full Philly roster. I'm upset that I don't even have a full American roster. Nobody, nobody, no American fans do that. Um, over in China, you have the opposite where the Chinese fans are like, I'm upset that my team decided to do that and pick up an entire Chinese roster because we're terrible. Um, and we went 0-40. You have the opposite over there. And then you go over to, to Great Britain, you go over to England, and you take a look at the London fans, and you can't help but say, huh, your team won the grand finals in season one, and you're still here begging for different players? it's insane to me that you have decided that you don't want to win the championship. And it's making me think that you guys have the snottiest fan base out of anybody in the league so far. If, if winning the championship isn't enough for you, you're like, no, I don't want to win the championship. I would rather get 10th place and have a full British roster. Why? And, and honestly, if we take a look at the world cup and the great Britain, British team, I, thought it out and i believe that uh if they had a full british roster they would probably be in about 10th place uh florida and shanghai would still be a little bit worse than them but honestly the british players are are not good enough to get the london spitfire in the playoffs at least i think everyone has to admit that and it's crazy to me that some people are arguing they actually would rather have that even stylosa he is a part of the team is saying we should at least be required to have some national players. He's asking for a worse team. It's crazy to me that some people are that nationalist. What, what do you think about it? Yeah, it was. Uh, well, the other thing is to to think about that in the context of like traditional sports. That would you ever see, um, you know, for example, we're, we're from Indiana. Would you ever see the Indianapolis Colts fans uh, demanding that you that the team would hire exclusively, you know? The, the Warren Central <laughs> quarterback, you know, it comes out of high school, whatever. Um, the, the, the metaphor gets a little bit lost there, but yeah, just to see that at all. Okay, it, and I, it, I guess it is important to mention that um, not everybody is asking, like, specifically to have, um, like, pure pure rosters from whatever region uh, but yeah, you mentioned uh, Stylus, so, you know, I'm looking at this tweet from uh, September 23rd, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, he says, uh, wait, and this was in response to the Paris group stage of the World Cup, right? We we yeah. talked about it uh, last week. We had all this big, uh, you know, giant crowd, um, always cheering for Team France. It was cool to watch. It was cool to listen to. Um, and so, and so Stai says, you know, can you imagine how insane the local followings would be if all OWL teams consisted of nationals of their respective countries? Or at least there was an enforced quota of regional players per roster. Each region has enough good players to make that happen. And then presumably there was some sort of giggle at the end. Um, and then he says, okay, let's get stuck into it. Um, but it's, so the comments of this is interesting because um, uh, Jane gets involved uh coach from team canada assistant coach dallas fuel um gets involved also uh somebody replies uh you know i'd rather see the best players compete um in the league um and uh i, I mentioned jane a couple times you know on this podcast and in general i tend to agree with the things he says um but i, I thought it was interesting the position he took um because because he says um 
this argument about well I'd, i would rather see the best compete regardless of where they're living uh where they're from you know he says this argument's dumb stop parroting it um he, he says uh he says i'm not arg- I, i'm not arguing for uh region locking uh for team rosters or for uh regional quotas for teams but but these shouldn't be necessary to see local talent on local teams uh which is true but it's not um uh, there's there are different valid ways of constructing a roster for sure um and there are different um fairly successful ways you know that that can be managed again thinking about this in in the world cup in the context of the world cup uh some people on reddit are saying you know well what happens when um when we get to season three presumably and they and they start doing localized um localized stages or localized group stages or whatever um and we have you know several different several different uh stadiums you know and london spitfires playing at home and it's a korean team and they're in a, they're in a london um arena and what happens you know is is the crowd going to support them and all this and i mean he uh, you know, the question is are they going to support a, a, a full korean team you know as well as they would a full english team and you know, for for the World Cup, that's the point of the World Cup, right? Is to have yeah. the team, um, to have the team with the full English roster. But uh, for something like the Overwatch League, it, it doesn't make uh, as much sense, or it's certainly not as necessary um, to create that kind of engagement um, just purely geographically. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I'm with you. It's it's a weird sort of question to ask <laughs> yeah i mean apparently the answer to will london spitfire fans support a full green roster is is no to some of those fans um yeah. which is also it's it's very snotty in my opinion because me and you are sitting here in, in indiana we don't even get a team like and and you have the best team in the league and you're like no i'm not going to support them like, come on. You're lucky enough to have a team supporting your city, and you're just going to sit here and be a fan of some other team? It's it's it, That also annoys me because I would like to be from a city that, that gets to be gets to have an Overwatch League team. Um, but, yeah, to, to go back to what you're saying about the Colts, I don't think – I mean, Andrew Luck's not from Indiana, but every – like, I went to a Colts game yesterday – Everyone has an Andrew Luck jersey. Nobody, like, there's some, like, T.Y. Hilton, some Pat McAfee who isn't even on the team anymore. But the only, like, recognizable player on the team is Andrew Luck. And nobody's like, this guy's not from Indiana. Get him out of here. They're like, he is he is a savior. He is a god. And he is the best player on our team and the best player in this league. I don't care where he is from. You know, it's like London fans, you have like Prophet who won who won um who's arguably one of the best players now. And and nobody's holding him up like that, you know? It's it's yeah. it's very interesting to me to go over to Overwatch League. I mean, if any of this conversation happened on like the NFL subreddit or something like that, everyone would call that person insane. If somebody said the Philadelphia Eagles, like, I think they're regretting not having, like, more Philadelphia players on their team. Everyone <laughs> would downvote that guy and say, they won the Super Bowl. Why would they care? Um, so it's just crazy to me that it's almost it almost seems like people are, like, putting fandom and how many fans you have over winning. And in the end, I really believe that 
winning is going to get you the most fans. I I think that despite Dallas Fuel having tons of streamers and big names on their team, I think they got less viewership and less less fans paying attention to Overwatch League once their team was clearly not good enough. Um, even though people are measuring it by like social media and like how many bits were donated and stuff like that, it's I still think that they the Dallas Fuel, despite having a big fan base, was still a big loser in season one. I don't think they're satisfied. I think London is pretty satisfied, despite not having the biggest fan base. I think winning season one is enough to satisfy Jack and Cloud Nine. I I don't <laughs> doubt it whatsoever. Um, any anything else? I mean, I have tons. God, I have so much to say. And also, I mean. That's the point of the World Cup. Um, to counter Stylos's point, is is the point of the World Cup is for things like we saw in France, not the point of Overwatch League whatsoever. I mean, if you, it's almost like Stylos wants to turn the Overwatch League into the World Cup. Then, kind of, what's the point of the World Cup if all of a sudden we're requiring London to be made of of London players? Then it's like, okay, well now we go to the World Cup, and it's like. London just transfers and changed their name to England all of a sudden. And it's just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of weird as well. If I, I, I don't think this argument's going to go anywhere. I don't think Nate Nancer is going to change anything or require anybody to have region locked. Like it, even if they have only require only three players, that's going to upset the owners and the owners. I think we have to remember paid upwards of 20 to 50 million to, to be in this league, they don't want restrictions on their teams. They want to be able to build the best teams and win. They paid for the league, period. <laughs> that's that's just how it goes. Straight up. The fact that the fa- – I mean, I would if I were an owner, I'd be upset that the fans are like – that if I were the owner of the London Spitfire, I'd be upset that the fans are like, give me better players that are like the same as me in my nationality. I'd be like – I just – we We won. <laughs> Are you guys okay? We we won. We won the championship. You don't like our players? <laughs> like I I would be yeah. very upset. Like I paid good money to be in this league and everybody's turning on me and when I was when my GM, my coach, everyone that I hired was the best in this league and everyone's like, "Nah, you're not good enough still." Like that doesn't make any sense, right? So I I don't think Nate's going to be promoting what the fans want because the owners don't really want it. <laughs> yeah, there's not nothing I would have added to that other than uh, what you just did about the World Cup. Yeah, that that's we're all sort of riding that hype right now. But uh, you, you know, that's that's what the World Cup is for, uh, and we're gonna finish that here in three weeks, and then we're gonna move on to the regular season. Yeah, you know, that's that's it's the way they've intended it to be. I mean, to talk more about the Paris team picking up EU players, and I believe one of the chinese teams is rumored to go for a full chinese roster i mean just to ask you i mean what how do you think these two teams will fare in comparison to people who are like who are not only saying who are not only recruiting players based off of their nationality but they're just i mean they have less restrictions and they're recruiting just basically saying this guy's a good player and then not looking at his nationality at all what what advantages do you think the Paris team and whatever Chinese team decides to do this uh, can can compete with these teams that have no restrictions on which players they pick up? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a risk, certainly, if you're going to go that way. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I think there's been a, a rumor, you know, that uh, it's like Hangzhou was going to sign most of Team China. Um, th- that could pay off for them. You know, we've seen um, to Team China as a team that the players that we're actually talking about here uh, are very good. You know, we, the, they're expected to do pretty well um, here in the World Cup. Um, but, but yeah, the... the the restriction, the limit there, um, it, it, you, you know, your hands are tied in lots of different situations, and to have to, uh, to have to try to navigate that in addition to, especially for these new teams, you know, trying to, trying to make a foothold at all, um, in, in the league and among the league's fans and that stuff, it's just going to be really difficult. Oh yeah, um, I mean, and people are people are eating eating this stuff up, like I mentioned earlier, and that. In that thread about Paris is the rumor that Paris is going full EU, everyone was like, "This is the best decision possible," um, and it, honestly, it could it could possibly be. I mean, we've seen there is some really good EU talent out there um, who 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 can co- who can possibly compete with with the rest of the Overwatch League, and there is some very good. We saw the Chinese World Cup team looks great; um, they really do. Uh, but we already know that their best player, Gushue, is is going to be going somewhere else and not with the rest of his Chinese World Cup team. Um, so they're already losing a really good player. It's, I don't know, just it seems like going for that strategy has some risks, has a lot of risks. And while you can sort of gain gain the upper hand in fandom and, and getting, I mean, you, I mean, you're getting, the argument here is, as Paris, you're not only getting people from Paris to be fans with you, but you're getting people from the rest of the EU to be fans of you instead of London. Um, in the end, if London wins season two once again and Paris barely squeaks out playoffs or is in the middle of the pack, I think those people outside of Paris will jump on the London bandwagon. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, it's. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna play out however it plays out, you know, in the next three, four weeks, some. But uh, yeah, I'm not convinced it's gonna be a big issue as or as big an issue as people are gonna make it. I mean, it's probably yeah. fair to say. I really, I don't think it's that big of an issue. It's crazy to me that we're still talking about this after after we saw a team who the only team who attempted to do what they want to happen go 0-40 it's crazy to me that they saw that and they said we should still try to be doing this and then seeing the best team in the league were completely disregard their city city based um, ways and win the entire thing wasn't good enough for them it's just crazy to me that this all has happened and it doesn't matter and, apparently and uh, my my fusion fan self pointing out that the second best team in the league uh, also <laughs> went you know incredibly um international i think um by uh, by the time they had their 12 player roster uh from season one i think they said it was like eight or nine countries represented in 12 players um and that worked really well too you know <laughs> it's yeah it's and definitely like, can be done even the dallas fuel who everyone is arguing they had the best the biggest fan base in season one was made up their their original announcement was look at all these different flags we got we got everyone from everywhere 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, the people who want localization and nationalization, in the end, would I be happy if the Detroit, would I be happy for a little bit if the Detroit Lions had an entire Detroit roster? Yeah. But then when they started losing, I'd be like, okay, time to not go with that strategy anymore, please. I would like to win. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on to the next topic because I think we, I think I did, at this point I'm just going over and over these points. Um, <laughs> hero specialization. Um, you want to introduce this one? Yeah. So uh, last week we came off of. Um, let me pull up this page here. Uh, last week we worked from a from a write up post and write it about Mercy. Right. It was a year now since um, the rework of Mercy, trying to look at. Um, you know, the state of what things are um, now supports um, and just the meta in general. Um, but so now moving into uh, moving past that, you know, we've got a similar sort of write up, um, a link here that somebody did. Um, looks like Switch is the name of the person. So that's cool. Um, but about season 12 um, and hero diversity and the way people are playing heroes uh, here in season 12. Um, and it's it's pretty interesting to look at, uh, notably, especially because uh, they did some analysis on, uh, uh, I think it was through Overbuff, which uh, I'm trying to figure out where that's written, because I know it's written somewhere. Uh, if it was Overbuff, you know, that's, uh, that's worth pointing out that obviously they can only read, um, you know, players or profiles that are not private. Uh, which is notable. Um, in fact, here this is. I'm trying to find this. I don't know. It, it, yeah. Okay. So, however, however they got their data, um, you know, consider uh, there might be a private profile issue. But uh, looking at here, uh, it's worth noting that um, more than 10% of players um, in in every rank, uh, every elo are um, one tricking a specific hero, and that they define that with more than eighty percent usage, uh, usage time um, in season twelve, and about fifty-five percent um, in all ranks uh, are specialized on a, sing on a single hero. Uh, more than fifty percent, uh, less than eighty percent um, of your playtime on one hero. Uh, so that's actually a majority. Uh, which has actually been in increasing steadily all the way from season four. They, there's a chart here. Um, it was something like uh, maybe 20% in season four, um, and now uh, specializing or one-tricking above 50% of the time um, now is uh, the majority now in season 12. Uh, but particularly what I wanted to point out here uh, was the actual heroes that these PC, uh, PC players specifically are maining uh, in season 12 uh, just because that's a really interesting list um, it has it divided up by rank um, and it, you know they point out generally they all are meta heroes uh, like the top five um, top five in GM are Ana, Reinhardt, Lucio, Diva, Zarya so you know it makes sense Winston's up there uh, Brig is up there uh, but specifically uh, this trend I noticed um, in all all, all seven of the ranks, from bronze to GM, uh, Reinhardt actually is either number one or number two out of all of the heroes that people main. Um, it, it, yeah, out of all the heroes people main, number one uh, from silver to diamond, number two um, in bronze, master, and GM. 
but th that particular part I thought was interesting. But just in general, to take a look at um, the way this uh, this sort of thing is uh, fallen out, because we do see lots and lots of uh, supports. Like Ana is really high up there too, especially as the rank goes up. Uh, she's number one pick in both master and GM uh, in order to main. Um, but, you know, we see Lucio, we see Zen, we see Brig, we see Mercy um, in most of these columns here, um, as well as lots of tanks. We see uh, Winston and Ryan and Zarya and D.Va uh, in a good chunk, especially at the higher ranks. Uh, we see them more tanks, but um, to, to see, uh, see that codified is interesting. But even, um, you know, we talked about or people talked about the introduction of Brigitte like season 10, I guess it was now. Um, and they said, oh, you know, tanks are going to die because nobody wants to play tank anymore because this is overstun or whatever people were calling it. I don't know. But um, yeah, clearly that's not the case anymore. Um, that's uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, b b b people people are coming together they're they're trying to figure out what's going on um and uh, through it all the tanks have actually been a decent uh decent constant uh, particularly reinhardt again because um he's probably one of the ones that's been most complained about but nope um anyway, it, it's, it's an interesting graphic to look at it's um, on reddit there's a there's a thread about hero specialization in season 12 you can probably search that but yeah um, um, to, to see to see how players are getting more specific um and than what specifically heroes they're playing yeah it's very interesting i i'm not too surprised to see ryan at the top of most things ryan's just like i don't know he's overall a good hero to just be a main of because he he's a good tank hero for solo queue dive is an extremely coordinated and hard composition to do with Winston, that's why you see more Winston mains in Grandmaster on this list and towards Master, um, and he has nowhere to be found, Diamond, Plat, Gold, Silver, Bronze, uh, because Dive is just harder to run and need, it requires more coordination. So more often, you're going to see um, <coughs> a, just a heavy tank composition um, with, with that big shield that Reinhardt has. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me for, for solo queue mains uh, to main Reinhardt. Um, yeah. Anna's up there right now, and which makes sense because she's back in 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 the meta. Um, and just seeing tanks and supports up up to the towards the top makes sense, not only because of how good tanks and supports are right now, but also because there are very few tanks and supports. So it's a lot easier to just main one of them. Um, whereas DPS heroes are there are many damage heroes in the game. Uh, so manning one of them is a lot. If you're a DPS player, you need to be more versatile, basically. Um, so not only are tanks and supports very good right now, but um, there are a bunch of different uh, there are a bunch of different uh, attack heroes that are that are good, and you need to be versatile if you're a DPS player. Uh, yeah, and as far as um, season twelve, like increasing or just increasing throughout the seasons, the amount of people who have gone to mains or one tricks that also makes sense to me personally because it, having a one trick or having a main means you win more honestly like i'm my best hero is diva and i would say i would say i'm like a almost a diamond level diva but my rest the rest of my heroes i'm almost i'm gold plat with them 
So if I decide to just use D.Va, I'm going to win more games than if I decide to use my my variety of heroes I can play at a, at a decent level. Um, and unfortunately, I have decided to do, to use my variety because it would just be boring to play D.Va over and over again. But it makes sense. The people who want to win are just focusing on that one hero that they are best at um, because that's how they win. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything else to say? I guess, yeah, you're right that it's it's important to note that the, this particular chart we're looking at is of, of people who are maining a hero and not usage in general. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be interested to see how that compares. I don't have that pulled up, but um, but yeah, it's there's still definitely patterns we can look at here. Oh, yeah. Um, hero prevalence and win rate is, is, is the next chart. Actually, we got Ana's pretty high in, in Grandmaster as far as win rate goes. Um, and as far as that goes, not surprised because Ana's a very high-skilled healer. Um, so, and she's she's very, very good. And, and, and this is exactly how it went when Ana was back in the meta uh, when she was first introduced. The, the GMs were amazing at her. Um, and she was in meta and the bronzes and the silvers and the golds were like, she's in meta, but they weren't good enough to play her. So, um, her win rate would be down even though her play rate is up in those areas. Um, as far as I'm, I'm surprised to see Lucio's win rate so high in Grandmaster as well. (laughs) And a lot, a lot of other, other takes, pretty much the cake on all these charts though <laughs> yeah we're, we're definitely not at a six hero game yet oh no although if this current ptr patch has anything to say about it we're, <laughs> we're down to a 20 26 hero game instead of a 27 hero game but <laughs> hopefully that just means they're fixing mr shield man yeah hopefully that does um as far as hero main win rates go so this this is um based off win rates for people who have mains in each or for people who main and before anybody yells at us on twitter even though nobody's yelled at us on twitter it's i realize there are 28 heroes now so i guess we're down to 27 so 29 soon dude 29 soon yeah blizzcon hopefully yeah oh god another thing to talk about (laughs) the podcast yeah anyway you were talking about chart yeah so the 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 the, I believe this is the last chart on the page. Yeah, last chart on the page is hero main win rates based off of Reinhardt, Diva, Ana, Moira, Mercy, Lucio, which are the heroes they were looking at um, because they're the most mained. Uh, and not surprising, most of them are just um, vertically upward charts saying that grandmasters have higher win rate win rates on these heroes. But it's interesting to see that some are like like Moira mains at Grandmaster have a 58% win rate, but Moira mains at bronze have a 47. And that's like the biggest, the biggest difference. Um, and I think this chart just shows like, it goes to show how difficult the hero is to play. Um, Lucio is like pretty even. I It looks like platinum Lucios have a bigger win rate than Grandmaster. I, they look so close. Does it say? Uh, it, looks, it looks like GM's a little bit higher. Okay, it's, yeah. it's but, very but close. But they're so. essentially the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some of these are some of these are actually pretty crazy. I think platinum mercies have a higher win rate than master mercy mains. Um, yeah. So it's it's just interesting, but I I believe that's 
in my opinion, that's based off the difficulty of the hero. I think Lucia Mercy are one of the, some of the easier supports to play. Ana and Moira are, are a little bit tougher. Um, so it makes sense that Grandmasters have mastered those heroes a little, a little bit better. Um, but they're basically saying Diva mains. I'm one of those. Diva mains at uh, gold, platinum, and diamond are pretty, are just have no difference, huh? <laughs> Their win rates are pretty yeah. even. Uh, any thoughts on this chart? Uh, not beyond that, no. It's... Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that those were two pretty good topics. I mean, we're going to continue with these topic-heavy shows since we've, we've got no events uh, throughout October pretty much. I guess we have. We could talk about the London Spitfire Outlaws Gala because that's in October. Is The the California Cup's got to be soon, right? I can't remember. Yeah, what I, don't, I don't know when for sure. Um, but that's possibly in October, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, the twentieth. The twentieth, yeah. actually. They're on the same day. That's the same day. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the same exact day. October twentieth in London, and October twentieth in um, is the first one in Santa Ana. Yeah. And then, and then November tenth is the second. Yeah. California match after BlizzCon. So I guess we have yeah. those events to talk about. Unfortunately, we can't spread them out because they're not going to be on the same podcast, but. Yeah. We, we might have to we might have to spread them out yeah, if they're <laughs> we'll that see. extensive um but maybe open maybe we'll get into open division too because that's what open divisions go the only thing going on right now pretty much um but yeah this is a pretty good episode we'll continue with the get the in-depth topics i enjoy talking about topics a lot uh do you do you enjoy it, joe should we go should we go with some more topics here yeah it's gonna be good and if anybody has any suggestions we can send those yeah. in Oh yeah, and I'm about to mention our uh, email, so you can send them in. Um, our social media, you can follow us on our twit on our personal Twitter accounts. Mine is jwgeorgeiv. Joe's is kirkpatrick underscore inc. That's i n c. And then our show has a Twitter page, which has gained a nice little. Uh, we've, we've gained some followers this past week uh, on the Flank Show. Uh, look at look at our our tweets over there. You can also tweet at us if you want us to talk about something. But if you don't want to tweet at us, you want to be more professional, unlike Kefri, who's a, you know, he tweeted right at the DC Overwatch team. If you want to email us, be a, be a little more professional. We have an email on the flank show at gmail.com. Of course, if you're listening to this, you found it somehow. But if you want to listen to it in a in a different way, uh, you, you can find us at ontheflank.podbean.com. Um, you can find us on my YouTube, John George which is linked in, on my Twitter. Um, you can find us on iTunes, uh, which is my favorite personal way to listen to us because you can just press the subscribe button and it comes to you every single week on the podcast app on your iPhone if you have one. Um, if you don't have an iPhone, you can use uh, Spotify as an option on an Android phone uh, for a good podcast app. And we are now officially on Spotify uh, and, and we're super excited to be on there. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all we got for this week. Happy October, everybody. Uh, enjoy, enjoy a nice little break from Overwatch. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>